the In The Money Players podcast. This is our special for Royal Ascot, the Tuesday. We're going to be doing shows each day individually with a variety of guests. And we're going to kick things off with uh, a, a woman and a, and, a, and a face and a voice that are very much associated with Ascot because she is the TV presenter for Ascot TV. She's also my pal, Rosie Tapner. Rosie, how are things? I'm really good, thank you. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's great fun. I'm so excited to be back. And I wanted to bring you on as somebody who can help us set the scene a little bit in terms of what makes this meeting unlike any other. What are you most looking forward to about this year's Ask It meeting? And how can you put in a little bit of a context for some of our American enlist and listeners uh, worldwide? Well, you know, it's, it's a meeting like no other. First of all, it's five whole days, which is just epic and exhausting all at the same time. But it is a combination of racing which is the it's five of the best days racing that you can get with some of the best horses all around the world coming together in this auditorium of just epic racing and it's so exciting to have that but on the outside of that you know if you don't enjoy your racing or you don't know a huge amount about it you've got your hospitality with a number of michelin star chefs there as well you've got probably the best five days of a fashion show you could ever imagine particularly gold cup day which is unofficially ladies day where people you know come in all sorts of bright colors and and wonderful outfits um you've got the bandstand in the evening you've got all the entertainment throughout the day but also after racing that carries on as well so it's almost like one of the best weddings you've ever been to plus chuck in the world's best sport for five days of the most exceptional racing all in one i think that's a good uh, a good explanation of everything that makes it special all in a nutshell it's one of those racing events that transcends just what's happening on the course and definitely gets its uh, hooks into the culture so we're really looking forward to to seeing that um, you mentioned about the bandstand. Now, this is something I think most Americans, anyway, don't really have any idea of. Explain explain how that all goes down. Okay, so the bandstand, I think, is one of the best things about Royal Ascot, apart from also the Royal Possession, which I'll go into in, in a minute. But the bandstand, every day after racing, the band will start in the bandstand, and ITV often go over there to end their show. And it just has everyone singing around it on the big screens they have all the words up so you can join in along and again it is just like an epic wedding slash concert and everyone's had an amazing day at the races and everyone's won or lost money and just had a great time with their friends and it's all ending communally at the bandstand which is just thousands of people singing along to the most traditional and fantastic songs that everyone knows it's just brilliant I love the way it progresses from sort of, I'm guessing it was sort of a post-war thing because they, they typically start off with those sort of more traditional, like I think of them as like post-war pop songs. You get into, you know, the Beatles and the 60s and and, and some of the rock stuff and Tom Jones and, and all that. And then they, they sort of go back to the old school with the, the more patriotic songs at the end. The first time I saw it, I had no idea what to make of it. Now I don't, at least one day, you know, some days I'll run out to the, to the what we'd say parking lot you guys would say car park we'd say tailgate <laughs> you'd say picnic and you know see friends and everybody but at least one day and typically the saturday i love to stay late and uh, and soak up that atmosphere it's a ton of fun it's a ton of fun i have to walk back through that crowd to get to the office to then get my stuff and leave and i'm always sort of like 
jiggling down the <laughs> jiggling such a terrible word but dancing through the crowd but also trying to get through it because we've all been there since seven working so I'm also I, one one mind, side of my mind is going this is so much fun this is really cool but my other side is going okay I now need to go <laughs> but it's just there's no week like Royal Ascot and then you also have so I'm lucky enough that with my job I get to chat to a lot of of the race goers and the fans around the parade ring before the royal procession happens so the royal procession happens at 2 p.m every single day we don't know who's turning up we get sent the carriage list five minutes beforehand and these beautiful carriages come up the up the straight of the course round into the parade ring um and you know her late majesty the queen was often there she was such a big fan of the sport such a big supporter of the sport and it really does bring people from around the world you know i was going around and interviewing people there people from australia who haven't even come to see the horses they've come to see the royal family because they're such an amazing pulled towards an event like this and you know we hope his majesty the king and her majesty the queen will be turning up this year and many other of the royals and i think that's another whole element to to the spectacle that is royal ascot for sure so i have enduring memories uh i think the most recently i was there when when the late uh, queen elizabeth was there was 2019 and i got some some great pictures and it really adds to the atmosphere and obviously her love for the game and the connection to the royal family, one of the things that makes this meet special. So you mentioned you've got to turn up there at the, at 7 a.m. You're there through the end. Do you, do you get to have some fun along the way, or is this just a work week for you? I, I cannot call it work. This is <laughs> not work. I have the best fun this week. I mean, to, I have the best job in the world. To give you an example, so my morning will start at 7, which is sort of hair and makeup and get ready and get into your clothes. And then my my job, if we can call it that, in the morning is to go around, yeah, <laughs> to go around all of the Michelin star restaurants and taste all the food, um, taste some of the wine as well, and some of the drinks and the bars. Basically, experience the hospitality to show people on the screens what's going on around Royal, um, to talk to people, to interview people about their fashion. Um, some of the entertainment that's going around and then in the afternoons I get to watch the racing and then I interview all the winning connections so for me it's you know I get to go on the best race day ever because I get to basically have a free experience but also get to interview you know the likes of Frankie Dettori if he wins and all these incredible players that that's a dream isn't it to get that close to the sport and get to to get to interview them. Tremendous. Well, if you need if you need a scruffy American's perspective, <laughs> you can bother me. I, I'm happy to uh, happy to help at any at any time if you get really desperate for for somebody to interview. Give me one horse, not to bet necessarily, but one horse, one race, something you're really looking forward to seeing this week. I think. I mean, the Tuesday is just spectacular racing straight from the off. I think I have to say, Chaldean, um, in the St James's Palace Stakes on the Tuesday, I. In the 2000 guineas, he was just brilliant. I'm excited to see if he can back it up. But I was lucky enough to go to Andrew Baldings a couple of weeks ago to interview him ahead of Royal Ascot. Um, and I saw Chaldean in action doing a piece of work. And he just looked fantastic and so relaxed in his work. If you saw him, you wouldn't think he's a superstar. He's just so chilled and relaxed at home. And it was really lovely to see. So I'm excited to see him back on the track. Great stuff. Rosie Tapner, thank you for joining us. We will see you on the TV, and I look forward to seeing you in person as well. Can't wait. See you at the party. Can't wait. That's the plan. plan. Stay tuned. We'll dive deep into the Tuesday form right after this. 
Next up on the show, we bring in one of my favorite experts to speak with about anything regarding international form. Somehow we've been like ships in the night missing each other in his two recent trips to the USA. But he's here now. He is Michael Adolfson. Michael, how are you? Doing well. Thank you for having me. As always, it's uh, it's obviously Rolaskin and Everybody for the past two weeks has been focused squarely on this. Even while I was in Bel- at Belmont, everybody was talking about it. So it's pretty exciting. <laughs> That's good stuff and a sign of how important this event has become in the United States over the course of the last several years. Will you be making an appearance at Ask It uh, yourself? I won't miss you this time, I promise. Um, right now, uh, work will tell me probably in the next 24 hours whether or not I'm shipping out. Um, it's sometimes like that, but most likely not at this point. Uh, I was going to go and do a quick um, interview session with Dubai Racing Channel, but uh, they haven't gotten back to me yet or whether or not they're doing it, but that doesn't put, I don't put it past them. <laughs> to, it's, a good thing they, it's a good thing they don't leave it to the last minute or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all it goes sometimes, but to be honest, when it comes to asking, you sort of um, you roll with the punches and you hope that you can go. If not, then you enjoy it from home. The meat starts with a bang. It is the Queen Anne Stakes. This will be 9.30 USA time, Eastern, on Tuesday. And we seize the return to the races of a horse that uh, most USA racing fans are familiar with. That's modern games, but this is no walkover. Some uh, really interesting opposition, including in Spiral, Native Trail, Chindit. Curious mm. to know where your money will be flowing as we kick off the 2023 Royal Meeting. Like I do in a lot of these races, I feel like if you if it's very much an obvious choice in there, or at least one or two of them, that you can't get a tremendous amount of value out of um, playing wins. Uh, I'll throw in in each way as well, but I do think Modern Games should win this. I don't. I, I know that he's... You know, he gets a lot of hype sometimes after every after a big win, like his last, you know, just like he did after Woodbine and just like he did after the Lock Hinge last time. But I do think that he's a solid horse who very much should was is prepped properly into this race. You know, he, they took him to the States, a short horse. They knew he was a short horse there. They needed a flat, firm course to get him into better shape. They got that. Then they took him to a straight course in Lock Hinge. He, he ran really 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 well um i just think he's gonna see out this race really well and i think it'll be very hard to beat him i think the only thing that beats him is maybe a freakish performance from inspiral like her race in the coronation last year but frankie's gonna have some cards up his sleeve in order to beat modern games in here interesting what about an each way do you have something at more of a price you want oh, to put gotta, forward good, this is probably my favorite each way of the entire meeting um it's loose sale at 50 to one. Uh, Ryan Moore picks up the ride. He's the second longest shot on the board. I think you're getting fifties basically everywhere on this horse. He's coming out of, out of the lock hinge as well. He only lost by three and a half lengths that day. And he was in the mix the whole time. And he's between horses. He finished right behind Muta Sabek, who's getting a lot more play in this race uh, than he is. And he finished ahead of light infantry. But more than that, if you go back, one of the best races of his life, and I know it was on the round, uh, course, but was at Ascot last year, finishing second to Caribus by a head in the um, St. James's Palace. This, these connections, they know how to get this horse right on the big day. And I think he's probably sitting on a race that's far better than 50 to one and very much could hit the frame. 
I love that idea. Let's proceed to the Coventry. We have our first USA participation in the form of fandom. Any chance? And uh, if not, who do you like? I mean, I think he's got, I think at 10 to 1, he's a nice value if you're just playing, if you're playing a, a light each way on him, or if you're playing, um, just uh, if you're going in heavy and you're like, I want to get a fat 10 to 1 winner in this race. But to me, I thought if you if you go back and watch the tapes, I think Asadna at 7 to 2 is a great value considering how just absolutely uh, impressive this cult was. I don't think anybody was more impressive than Asadna for George Bowie. Um, I know that repawn races are not exactly the most renowned uh, when it comes to preparatory spots, but the way this horse, uh, this nice high knee action, he's strong up the hill. I feel like very much there's a reason that if, if, they, if this if this horse was an Aiden O'Brien horse, he'd probably be a favorite over River Tiber. So I, I feel like seven to two is square on this horse. So I'm going to give it a go. I think William Buick sticking on the horse is huge, and it's just I mean, you look at eleven to eight and shortening on River Tiber. No thanks. Next up is the Queen Stand. Excuse me, the King Stand. I don't know why I made that mistake. It is uh, going at uh, at three forty local time. We're getting into the later morning, the ten forty. And Highfield Princess, another very familiar name, making the return to the races here. Are you with or against? I'm going to go against her here. Um, I know that she's your most likely winner, um, but I just don't feel like she was as t- she was very. I, I know that she needed the run last time. Uh, and I know that last, I feel like last season, maybe it was really hard on her and she's worth taking another stab against in here. Um, I think Kulangata is one to watch out for from Australia, but I've heard her, her shipments have over, her shipment over hasn't been the most smooth. Um, and, but to me, I'm actually, I know this is a hard sell and, and it, to me, I love Twilight Gleaming in this spot at 16 to 1. I feel like it's a huge price and a great each way on a horse if you're not that confident on the win. Who has done has done the trip. She's coming out of a really strong race. And, you know, Wesley had spots for this horse that he could have gone that were much easier in the States. And she very much could have uh, – she could have maybe won eight at Belmont going six furlongs last week in the in any continental. So I, I, I think that she's one to really – pose a lot of value here and whenever wesley talks about horses that he takes over there well, he doesn't mess around with the stone streets you know like he he goes there to win with the stone streets and i feel like she's probably on top of her game in many ways and at 16 to 1 and sometimes 20 in some places she's a huge value love that idea any uh numbers to go with that one for people playing usa exotics in the world pool i think marshman is worth using uh he's strong you know he's strong in 12 not great um but he's so quick and when he when he puts forth his a game and carl burke knows how to get him ready for these types of races marshman is is lightning um so i i feel like he's a he's a three-year-old on the improve um he could really throw a, a, a very fine performance and very much put all those ducks in a row um, and if you're, if you're going super deep in this race, don't be afraid to use Munista. Um, Munista really, she's a tough old mare. She's five years old. She was fourth last time in the ladies church, um, at NACE enlisted company, but she's proven herself against some of the best sprinters in, in Europe last season. She's making her second start for Joseph O'Brien's and switching yards. And I feel like they've probably got her a lot tighter this time. 
The St. James's Palace is up next. Shaldine attracting a lot of the wagering attention. Paddington also catching a lot of money early. Do you see it as a match between those two, or is it more open than that? I think you can go a lot deeper in this race than those two. Um, I, <laughs> uh, as a tale of the tapes again, I must have shared for, for Shadwell and, and the Gostins. Um, he was just outstanding at York. I know it was novice company, but the the horses he the two of the horses came back and won next out that finished right behind him, um, and he just stomped a mud hole in these horses <laughs> uh, in the Darling. Just just and and he did it easily and was basically pulled up at the end, you know. And and I know that he doesn't get William back on him, and I would have preferred that. But I think Jim will know exactly what to do with this horse. It's gonna be very forwardly placed, which I think on the round course that's very advantageous. Um he could dictate his own luck from there, um, and sort of defy his defy his his um his inexperience. And remember, he's a he's a he's a he's a half to um, he's out of Hendassa, so he's a half to Nazif and Mostadaf, who both got better as they got older. But um, they were Frankels and Invincible Spirits, and this horse is a dark angel, and they fire early. Mm-hmm. And uh, this horse, I think he's a lot more forward than they were at this stage, and he proved that last time against, obviously, we are, we are company. But he's going to be sitting there at 9-1 to one and some probably maybe even rising off of that. Uh, he, he's a value. Um, I think he can. I think he could step up against two favorites that are both going to be under t- probably around two to one. If you don't find any value in those in Caldine and Paddington, Isaac Shelby, where Buick ends up, is that another one you might think to to go with, or, or are you more all about uh, a lot? Of people, a lot of people like him, but if you're going if you're going higher priced, I, I would I would actually probably lean toward Royal Scotsman. Um, I just think that he's. He's a horse that he's a line through horse in the last run. He was never comfortable. He was the favorite in the Irish Guineas. And a lot of times, you know, it's not very often that you see a horse wearing famous silks like the Hayes's, um, who's favorite in the Guineas, favorite in the Guineas, come to Royal Alaska and he's double, double digits. Yeah. So it, it, to me, that, that just spells a value to me. Um, uh, the only thing that may be working against him is I know that um, Jamie loves to ride horses from the back. Jamie's going to have to have to have his timing perfect. We've got the Ascot Stakes up next. We're going long here, over two miles for this one. Any strong fancies? I think you always have to consider um, Willie Mullins in these long races uh, when they ship over. And the strong favorite here is Bring on the Night. I think it'll be very difficult, but I am going to take him on with a horse with no name. William Buick, I think, is one of the better riders in the world going long because he's just incredibly patient and he has a good feel for the horse. Nikki Henderson brings the horse in, 13-2, solid price, second choice behind probably an over-bet favorite. Yeah, that's very, very interesting. And, uh, you know, anytime you get those musical hunch plays, you get Michael and my attention as well. So we'll, we'll take a look for the America hunch play, a horse with no name in the Ascot Stakes as we proceed to the back end of the card. And the Wolferton, the penultimate race on this opening day of Royal Ascot, looks like a very open market in terms of the betting. Is that is that how you see it or can you get narrow in here? I mean, it's it's very, very open. I mean, consider that the favor is Saga, who hates winning. Um, and he's, you know, he's got five, one win in five seconds and 10 starts, um, the King's horse, but you know, it's the Gosdens and, and Frankie. So he's going to take, he's probably, he probably should be eight to one instead of four to one. Bolshoi Ballet hasn't, you know, hasn't performed to his, his optimal in quite some time to me. I'm going to go with another, 
going to go with um, the other Gosden here, Francesco Clemente. Uh, I feel like uh, in the in, in the famous white birch silks of, of um, Peter Brandt, he's a Dubawi who's who's Dubawis always get better in their four year old season. He comes out of a, a second King of Conquest, who's getting a lot of play in this race as well. I feel like he's the other one to watch out for. But I think those two races horses come out of a strong race. Um, Francesco Comanti was the favorite in that race, and he was expected very much to win. But King of Conquest kind of pipped them there um, by a neck. But I, I feel like he's going to come forward from there. I feel like if there was anything wrong with him out of that race, if he didn't quite perform to, to expectations, they would not bring him back here, especially with those silks from that yard. Um, yeah. And I think that Frankie's going with Saga because it's the King Silks and it's his final rural asket. So uh, I'm not going to worry about the jockey assignment. Uh, seven to one, I'll take him. What story that would be, though, if we get a royal winner? Probably whatever it costs us in our bankroll, we might gain in terms of uh, for, for the sport if we can get the royal winner for King Charles's yeah. first asket. <laughs> we close things off on the no, I think I think it's 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 huge, especially in a race like this where it, I know that it's only a listed race, but the Wolferton, the Wolferton winner would often be considered a horse that's very live for the Arlington Million if they're ever going to ship over. This is a, a listed race only on on paper. Um, I feel like you're going to look at these horses proper. It's a proper Group Two, Group Three race, American Standard. Let's talk about the the nightcap, as it were, the Copper Horse handicap. If if we if, if things don't go according to play, who are we going to get out with? <laughs> well, if I if you're, you're if you're dropping bombs in here, I, I love Get Shirty. Uh, he's a horse I'm pretty familiar with. Um, uh, as far as if you're, I'm each weighing him in here. I just feel like he's a, he's a big strong horse. He's going to do fine at Ascot. Uh, he he brings his best on the big days, um, usually, and 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 his race at. His race in um, February was extremely good against Silver Sonic um, in the Red Sea turf. And that was at about a mile six. Um, so it was a mile seven that day. But I think that puts him into a good spot here and probably a little bit of an, uh, an overlay. The most likely winner to me, even though Valbon's being hammered for Willie Mullins, um, I actually do like Charlie Appleby's ruling dynasty in here. I feel like he's going to be a nice decent value and i feel like he's gonna love every step of stepping up to the mile six um out of indian pedal should should stamina wise should have no issues at all he is a he's a three quarters to old per old persian who won the uh, shima sure sure Big, tremendous bloodlines as expected in terms of musical hunch plays i have to ask can you give sam cook any count in here michael before we let you get out of here <laughs> I think Sam Cook might be a little overcooked in this spot. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it would be great, and I hope that the I hope that the commentator works on it. I, you know, you know, has something ready for a big performance. Um, but I just <laughs> I think it would be fantastic. But but this is a in this race. If you if the Mullins horses aren't up to up to snuff up top of the market, then I think it's anybody's. And there's plenty of value to sort of save yourself at the end of the day. Michael, where can folks find thoughts from you throughout Royal Ascot? You did such an amazing job on social covering the Belmont meeting. I suggest that folks go through your uh, your Twitter feed and, and go back and look at some of the great pictures you caught and ideas you have for where these horses might be running next. Will there be any of that for 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 Ascot, at least in terms of analysis, if you're not there to take the pictures? Yes, um, 
very much so. Just follow at Adolphson Racing, A-D-O-L-P-H-S-O-N Racing. And on Twitter, I will be on there basically following along. Either, whether I'm not, I'm in person for half the meeting or at home for half the meeting. I'm always sort of putting up images and things that I, you know, uh, sort of tidbits that I think are worthwhile on these horses because these horses, it's not just for Alaska. This is going to bleed into the July meeting. It's going to bleed into possibly the Arlington million and races at Saratoga and obviously Ebor, um, where I, I will definitely be in August. So it's going to be pretty exciting to see some of the best horses in the world and, and where they go from here. One of the best follows in racing Twitter and a man I'm very happy to have as part of our extended team here at In The Money Media. Michael Adolfson, thank you so much for your time today. Always a pleasure. Thank you. That's going to do it for this show. We'll thank Rosie Tapner and Michael Adolfson one more time. We'll thank our sponsors over at At The Races. Find Royal Ascot on your local ADW and uh, play along. It's an incredible meeting. Great betting opportunities. Most of all, want to thank all of you for listening. I'm Peter Fornatal. May you win all your photos.